Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to Season 4 and the 90th episode of the Practice for Learning Teams podcast show. On today's podcast, I'm joined by my colleague Brent Robinson and Cameron Stevens, safety technologist, safety futurist and a safety practitioner based in Australia. Technology has always been close to my heart and I believe that technology has the potential to support successful everyday work for people who face the risk at the front line. This podcast was so informative with Cameron that I broke it into the multi-part series. So please sit back and enjoy part two, the final of the episode of Safety Tech and the new view of safety with Cameron Stevens. You know, we talk about the blue line, black line, and that, you know, that that blue line is like the sine wave because it's always ebbing and flowing. Yeah. And all of us have our own little sine wave because we ebb and flow and the group has its own little sine wave and that and that can become scary. And, and I think you know, the ultimate thing and the analogy that we use is that we want our systems, imagine like a freeway, we, we want barriers on the left and the right-hand side that stop death. But at the same time, we have painted lines and we have speed signs and they're all based on hope. Okay, yeah. and we hope people indicate three seconds in advance. We hope people are looking six seconds ahead. We hope people keep to the speed. But the fact is those things aren't rigid. They are constantly like a wavy line because yeah. that's just the reality of, of normal work. And So there's two things. One is you, you want those barriers to make sure that something can't turn into a life-changing event. But more importantly, understand the learning comes from the fact that that everything is moving within the system. And looking for, I think, for psychosocial risks, we're looking for outliers. I think for physical and and, uh, acute or chronic risks, things are health risks. We're looking for patterns. That makes sense. So, so, so physical risks, things, things that can harm us, they form a pattern over time. Um, like you know, humans don't perceive danger over time. They only perceive danger in the present, close proximity, close time. So, if those things start to cluster, we need to see that. But psychosocial risks, we don't want those patterns to form. Yeah. Because it's too late. As, as you said, I've just gone through that experience. I've just upgraded my um, iPhone. And once again, you know, I'm a technologist from my, from my brief history. And um, um, Apple were kind enough to say, we've increased your iCloud plan for your transference. You don't need to do your normal backup to your computer. You can do it through the iCloud. Now, I trusted in that okay 
And being a good technologist, I also worked out that I would recycle my own old, old iPhone for my daughter. So after I finished my transfer, I then delete my phone and do the same thing for her. Then finding out an hour later that all my Google Authenticator codes have now gone. And they're not in the iCloud backup. Yeah. Fantastic user experience. So total terror and panic then sets in. Well, I think I'm not sure if I agree completely about that because I think there are some trends that are insidious and shaping psychosocial risk um, that are just happening to us because we are not taking the time to observe these trends happening. So there are there's obviously a lot of stuff going on around hybrid work, but I still don't believe that we have adequately paused to understand the role that this uh, two-dimensional flat media observation and connection um, or lack of connection is is causing us uh, mm -hmm. as a work in work, and that's an example of uh, so. Uh, I'm under no illusions that technology has the ability to drastically impact in a negative way the safety of work, the health and health, safety and well-being of work, um, as well as really be a phenomenal enabler for, for amazing outcomes. I genuinely believe that the health and safety practitioners uh, have their heads buried in the sand in, in relation to it. I think it's one of those things where it's just just let it happen. There's there's been very little nuance. Like I'm very with worker insight, where are the worker insights on on that? Like who no, who is doing no, that? I, I, I agree, um, because it's scary for them. It, it, yeah, and it's there's this big tech fear and and big brother phobia, and it's not in my control. Um, that's a help. That's an IT thing. Um, that's a huge procurement challenge. Well, that's the same with all of the issues that are big issues in health and safety as well. About oh well, you know. Um, we're going to use that contractor and that because that's, you know, it's all about the money and all about the... Yeah, make sure you know, they follow so, our rules. Yeah, absolutely. So they're not... And so I, I think there is a, a, um, a, a real lack of strategic understanding of, of the role of technology in the workplace for both yeah. positive and not so positive outcomes. I, my call to action to all health and safety professionals and practitioners is there is no um, ability to continue to perform your role without a basic level of digital literacy. You will not be able to survive uh, and be effective um, if you continually choose to um, avoid tackling the, the very, very difficult issues around that. It need, yes. You need... To, to, to be to be getting involved and uh, a lot of the learning so the the um, tertiary education programs the um, safety professional practice programs that are going on uh, the new view programs the the training they are fundamentally void of that conversation if from my observations so no, I, I would but... say the diplomas in safety are devoid as well 
And oh, just yeah. for our listeners, digital literacy is not using emojis in LinkedIn comments. That's not digital literacy. <laughs> okay. It's um, just an prowess. Yeah. <laughs> Some would say that. I'd say slightly annoying sometimes. Yeah. But I think you're right. But I think the some of the associations that we belong to as in the safety community aren't doing any better either. You know, I, I there's I've seen some courses recently, and they talk about, um, well, they talk about UX um, of documentation, the user yeah. experience, and it's all based on information mapping. And I can tell you that I did information mapping about 20 years ago, and it's five plus or minus two and it hasn't changed. And that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're, uh, you know, we've got, we're living in a time where we've got a lot more, a lot of rich media and we can have richer experiences. And we're not, when you're hundred percent right, we're not leveraging a lot of that. You know, that, that post we put, I put out a couple of weeks ago about augmented reality, people are contacting me, oh, you know, how hard is it to do? I, I yeah. can't explain how easy it is. Yeah. If you have one of, if you've got one of these and a 3D model, we'll just put it on here. I don't care if well, it's a can... Samsung or a. It doesn't matter. It's it's device independent. Yeah, and you can Platform create. independent. And well, you can actually, create the we... 3D model with the uh, with the phone too. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, well, that's what we showed them. We did. We took photos of a particular piece of equipment. The phone told us how many we had to take. It stitched yeah. it together. Yeah, it wasn't perfect, but it worked, right? Yeah. So we and, could show um, the in, next in September, Brent Robinson came over, and the week he was there, I was delivering. I teach the diploma in safety, and I was delivering to a group of uh, I would term more mature learners. Is probably the best way I can put it. <laughs> your, your average safety person. It's unusual um, for Brent to be this. Um... Comes, yeah, comes the, the, the middle age white talking about uh... but yeah, um, but we, <laughs> two of them. I um, part of that risk management process, um, we we got them to all use their devices for AR in the room, and we had this conveyor belt, and we just sat back and watched. And it was really interesting that once they got past the fear of the use of the tech, how they interacted with it totally changed. Yeah. And we, and we had people like under the conveyor, people, you know, this and that, just, just experiencing the whole, the whole thing. And it was just that initial fear of what it is, what existed, when actual fact, we, we then got them to reflect on it, what they realized was how much, how much additional context they gained by doing that compared to a flat medium yeah. of normal classroom-based learning. Yeah, but it goes back to your point, Cameron, that these are safety professionals. They should be, in, they should be finding this out for themselves, right? And it's they should, they should be going experiment. It, look, it, it is easier said than done. And I don't expect that. It's a, the, the current conundrum is that there really isn't a um, an easy starting point. Um, you, if you are intimately curious, you'll go and do it yourself. And those people are already doing that. So there's, there's practitioners around the world that are, that are um, 
doing some really cool stuff. And, and, you know, the stuff that you guys are doing as an example of that um, experimentation, rapid iteration, just give it a go, see what happens. Um, you know, might see something come up on their LinkedIn feed and they'll go and download it and, and have a crack themselves. But um, organizations and safety practitioners that have come off the back of COVID-19 where they came right back down to safety 101, health and safety 101 of creating all of the basics of um, protection and, and, and guidance and procedure and policy around COVID-19 risk management. Uh, as an example, there's a lot of uh, health and safety practitioners that had lost their capacity to, to explore because they just got really uh, back to 101. And I empathize with that. Um, but um, so there needs to be an easy starting point, an easy to digest approach. Uh, either individually or as a team, because what will happen is it doesn't, if one, just like with new view type um, or uh, any philosophy or that you're trying to, or any change is that if it's just you, it's very difficult to, to transfer that across the organization. Yeah. And so um, without kind of plugging too much what the, so I've identified this and have been trying to, to rationalize and work my head around this for, for, for a long time now, I started a business, uh, developed a digital safety strategy course and a, um, a, a set of coaching and there was like, nobody wanted it. <laughs> it was a disaster. So the company folded. Um, I, I went back to, to doing full-time health and safety role and then got in and got into tech and realized, hold on, there has to, this is the, we're starting to see the shift again and we're seeing far more people want to do this but they don't know where to start so the what the way i'm approaching that at the moment is um coaching individuals that are curious that want to have on their professional development pathway safety technology and safety like digital literacy um so there's there's individual coaching but the team programs that i put together are six modules and that you can either do them in six hours six weeks six months um, depending on the size and the inertia that you have and the amount of people. But it effectively starts with mindset. Um, and then from there, and that, that goes all things like setting North Star, technology and safety strategy, what responsible innovation is, ethics, the role of the concierge, you know, user experience, those kind of things. And then the next is connected work, which is a real-time uh, understanding of mobility, cloud, cybersecurity, uh, industrial internet of things getting real-time risk insights. Um, there's practical activities as well, like all, all the things you talked about, about getting hands-on. So once you've done it, it's easy. Um, then understanding, you know, the real safety of work stuff, robotics, automation, droll, drones, uh, the role of the human, reimagining work. Um, and then um, it probably should be first, but then it gets into data. Um, so that's sort of, the fifth module about um, data, types of data, data ethics, data privacy, data governance, analytics, um, and then the artificial intelligence technologies. And then the last is putting it all together. You know, how do you, how do you develop a strategy? How do you pilot technology? Um, how do you bring agility and um, resilience into your program? And then that augmented um, mitigation, so digital hierarchy controls. But that, that whole approach, I think, it, you know, where do you go? How do you start? There isn't a lot on them, like, 
globally, what, where do you go? Like, um, no, there's, there's not. So, um, and, and I think the other thing, um, Cameron, is that the the safety groups um, don't even offer it as to be recognised for your competency or your ongoing professional development. Not yet, but I don't think there's something on the market to put CBD, CPD on. So yeah. um, I think, um, you know, that right now it, it's probably augmenting the existing, um, you know, adding a little bit of um, uh, digital lens across some of the foundational courses. So, you know, risk management um, module at one of the TAFEs or universities, there's no reason why they couldn't just have um, a digital lens applied over that, um, you know, if there's any universities on the call that want me to want to pay me to do that, happy days. I'll be more than happy to, <laughs> to do that. But um, but I think, but like everything else, you, you, you a good can point. take you you can take the you know the risk management cycle and say what what would a digital lens look like across that cycle? Absolutely. So th that is exactly the um, the skill set that um that I try to, to nurture and coach for, for folks yeah. that are doing this. Um, and in my consulting work, um, that, that's exactly what I do. It's, um, so um, I'm currently on the, um, the ISO standards committee for uh, augmented and virtual reality safety, and also for um, all of the uh, umbrella uh, applications for artificial intelligence it's called the it043 committee which there's there's many many iso standards that sit yeah, under yeah. it um but i'm representing the australian institute of health and safety on that committee actually as the safety sme into the um to that but for the uh, ar and vr standard we are still using iso 31000 yeah um, as the risk management framework we're just applying um so context um, you can even use AR and VR to obtain context, which we mm -hmm. talked about right at the start of this podcast. Um, and all you're doing is uh, applying a little bit of safety science and safety professional practice to um, uh, the, uh, the emerging technology that we're talking about, in this case is AR and VR. So injecting safety science using the risk management framework that you would normally use anyway, uh, applying a digital lens, uh, I think that's the future of uh, of health and safety. I, I genuinely believe that we have uh, we're only at the very infant infancy seeding thoughts around this. Once we start seeing some of the really great, um, you know, uh, folks in you know that are influencing safety outcomes, um, once once we start to see technology discussion being more mainstream in their dialogue. Um, I think we'll really start to see some quite phenomenal improvements in safety professional practice. And with the aim, as I said, to improve the role, uh, the, the, the role of the human and the experience of the human in the workplace. That's, that's the end, end game. Um, technology for human. And look, and the good thing, I mean, it's really important because the good thing about standards, standards are a reflection of what good looks like for a period of time. And hence yeah. the reason why they have those cycles because we all know it's going to evolve over time. Yeah. That, that's the whole objective. And risk management, you know, it is, you know, it's based on a whole series of assumptions, but you have to wait to continue to learn and improve. Yeah. 
So, so we, we're no different. We, we apply the new view lens to risk management when we talk to people about this because it's just a different lens. But it's a lens to learn from rather than a lens to um, blame and punish or blame and fix. Yeah. And, you know, data at the moment, safety data only becomes important when it's gone wrong. And the first thing we look for is the absence of data. Yeah. Or, you know, the evidence of data or, or the completeness of data. And the first corrective actions, apart from fixing the human, which is more training, is to put more systems in for more data. Yeah. So let's repeat the madness rather rather than the fact that no one ever does anything with the data that you capture to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, do you know what a, new, uh, a neutral density filter is, an ND filter? Do you know what that is? No. I'll put, so, I'll put one on my drone, but... Yeah, so an ND filter is basically a, a lens that you put on a lens um, on a camera um, yeah. to be able to determine the type of... Uh, the amount of light that enters in um, when you're outside. What you just described there about how you put um, uh, a new view lens over risk management, if the risk management is the body of the camera, new view is the lens you pop on, technology is the ND filter. Um, yeah. You know, you control how much and how little of that you want to dial up and dial down. I think, um, uh, you know, I'm the ND filter for, for safety professional practice as it relates to uh, technology. Um, pop your ND filter on, use it if you need it, don't use it if you don't, but it's a really handy tool to get a really good outcome. So for those photographers on the call that know what an ND filter is and know if you're going to be shooting outside, take your ND filter because you'll get a much crisper image, much better outcome. Um, you know, your, uh, your new view might be your, um, you know, your F1.8 prime lens that gets the really good quality outcome you're looking for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know how we got into a camera. I'm, I'm looking to buy a new camera at the moment. That's maybe why I'm thinking camera. <laughs> well, look, I'll, I'll just say... I, I think you, you should own that analogy. I like it. Yeah. It, it reminds me, um, in my podcast studio, I've got a... Um, a uh, my video camera's got a Leica lens and really good, but it basically makes you look horrible. It shows everything up. And I'm not particularly keen on too much makeup. So... Um, I went out and found a lens they used to make when they used to do film movies or film videos where the lens has got a whole little black stipples. Oh, yeah. And it acts as like you put foundation on. Yeah. So now, I'm not against yes. diversity. I'm not against any of that. But it's just easier for me to look, look harsh in real life but be under a lens that makes me look better. It's okay. <laughs> well, I used to... Um... I, I used to do photography as a bit of a hobby and um, a way to cheat doing that is to put a, a, a stocking, like a pantyhose mm -hmm. over the top. Yeah. And I used to walk around with a bag full of different colored pantyhose, <laughs> <laughs> different complexions. And um, I think that, uh, yeah, that um, I'm not sure what people thought about when I would start uh, pulling out my camera and then pulling out different colored pantyhose. That's right. Probably not a... <laughs> It's just uh, a soft filter. It's just a soft filter, really, isn't it? It's a yeah. soft filter, and um, yeah, you were embracing diversity too. early. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> so, but look, I, I think ultimately on that note, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, but ultimately, um, it, it is a journey for people to to follow, and 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 I was just wondering, Cameron, 
quite often um, we, we come across that I don't know if organizations know how to learn. I think organizations struggle to listen. That's one thing. But how to learn is different. And, and the example I use is that I, I see this belief, particularly with managers and leaders, that if you know something or find out about something, that you feel you have to act on it. Mm -hmm. And we try and explain to them that knowing something leads to better understanding. Yeah. And there are many things out there where better understanding is where you need to focus on because it's through that better understanding we can affect better change over time mm -hmm. rather than trying to put a fix in. And a lot of the work that we're doing at the moment is that rather than having people facilitate a conversation with a group of workers, we're using some tech to do what we call self-driven facilitation or self-guided facilitation. Yep, that's good. That includes that reflective component and that critical appraisal and critical thinking com component. And what's been really interesting is that the workers haven't felt the need for that feedback loop from the organization. Yeah. But what's been really interesting is that once a pattern becomes um, more visible through those self-guided facilitations, that when the organization then makes an inquiry, a lot of that base work around what situational problem has already been there, has already, yep. and, and the quality of input is hugely different. Mm -hmm. But I think there's this fear amongst practitioners that A, if we know something, we're going to fix it, or B, that we have to focus on completeness. Yeah, I mean, just another, and I, I, I think that's great. I mean, there's this feedback that the, the feedback cycle is, is critically important. But one thing, again, I want to just highlight from now moving into the full time into the tech space effectively is um, that that's just standard practice. Um, you know, the, the real time uh, closed loop feedback, uh, fast cycle closed loop feedback uh, is um, is is what happens in, in technology, uh, technology projects in particular, hardware updates, firmware updates. So the, the concept of the bug fix and, um, and, and continually iterating and, and, you know, maybe not having something perfect, expecting good quality feedback, um, getting that feedback over time, making sure that once the feedback has been taken and actioned, it gets delivered back so that it then drives this ongoing um, continuous improvement process. There's a lot to learn from some of the technology tactics that are being used and the solutions for real-time learning and knowledge transfer and um, improvement. The other thing is, is that um, in the technology projects, we have user experience um, designers as part of the process. So yeah. um, it's great to see that user experience skills are starting to be, um, you know, embedded more into some of the, um, you know, the safety professional training and, and those types of uh, things that are about. But yeah, that's, um, that's what I'm finding is, um, is uh, a really interesting insight is that 
to, to gain technology uh, improvement insights is just it's common it's common practice it's it's not seen as a burden or an additional thing or a it's just part of what happens when you go to do a um uh, a deployment particularly of a hardware software combination mm -hmm. so yeah i found that to be um very insightful um and it, i've wondered why well why didn't we why didn't we do that why haven't we been doing that in health and safety forever? Well, it look, it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, in, even, you know, my experience 20, 30 years ago in information technology, we were using Deming's principles around... Stephen Deming? The, well, well, they now the, call it Agile. They give it a fancy yeah. name. They call yeah. it Agile. Yeah. Okay. The Agile but, Manifesto, that's right. Yeah, but it was... It was all based on that that thing that you you would have the you know you'd have a scrum, you, you you would look at all these things and and you'd be going for continuous improvement. That that's the ultimate objective, because you're learning as you're going, and but you've got you you've you're using in my days there was a different so I was a systems analyst was my profession I wasn't a coder coder were were the people in the in the back room they were in the dungeons. The systems analysts had the, the people with a bit of skill set that could relate to humans and organizations. So our job was to map out that flow of normal work and, and understand those rub points that the users had. And then try and reflect that with coding. Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. Hey, look, um, Cameron, look, thank, thanks once again for coming on the pod today. Uh, I learned a hell of a lot. And, and it just reminds me that I, I probably use a lot of my technology background without realizing, and I just took it for granted that it was there. I no, think good you, insights. you're probably right there, Brent. Um, I've been enlightened by moving from safety to tech. So perhaps some of that's just been... Um, you know, common knowledge to you and, and seen as just that's how it is. For me, it was um, a real, a completely life-changing experience moving from um, the control mindset and the fixed boundary mindset of being in safety to this whole new world of expansion and, and you know, just collaboration and everybody wanting to just improve on each other's ideas. It's such a, a phenomenal difference in the way that, you think when you work in technology and I'm trying to bring some of that back into safety professional practice. Cause I truly genuinely believe it, it is uh, going to, to, to enable health and safety practitioners and professionals to be far more effective and, and drive impact and, um, and provide value. So um, I appreciate it's messy and, and I'm not the best at clearly articulating things without thinking and getting them down into a bit more structure. So when I just riff, I find it hard to uh, to really bring the thinking together. But there's a lot there's a lot in this space, and I think um, with a little bit more structure and guidance, some of the safety. Uh, so when when I put things into a bit of a course type approach or a coaching approach, it's it's a little bit more. Um, there's a bit more clarity that you can get out of yeah. this. Yeah, and, so, and I think to, to take some insights from like Todd's work, you know, around the five principles. Like when we wrote the practice learning team spot. We said, right, what are the five principles of a learning team? Mm -hmm. Because if you can talk about the principles, you can then take those yep. principles and break them into a frame. Once yes. you've got a frame, you can break the frame into some tools. Exactly. Once you've got the yep. tools, you've got a roadmap. 
Exactly. And I think the, um, in closing, um, um, one of the, the there's my, my son, he's just fallen over outside and donked his head. Um, oh, no, but he, he's expressing his um, appetite for risk. He's learning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, just one closing comment is, um, and just a, a, a warning or a, um, a suggestion for folks that are dabbling in technology. This is not about the individual gadget or the thing. Um, so uh, concepts and principles, yes, but in technology, it's trends. Mm -hmm. So we are seeing some significant deep technology trends that are, um, that are driving the framing and then that then drives the approach. So um, the technology trends and getting clear on what they are and how they could in inform and improve safety professional practice is a responsibility of safety professionals that are um that are looking for a, a career a career in this space so if you if you're intending on practicing for the next 10 years and beyond you have a responsibility to get upskilled in this space it's not an option anymore um, so start now because um, you you'll really start to unlock some benefits um very quickly and um godspeed <laughs> it's a messy space that's right. And thank you for your insights. Thanks. Welcome to Safety Differently Merchandise, the premium sponsor for the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. Our curated lines of inspirational clothing, headwear, cups, stationery and more, at Safety Differently Merchandise, is befitting of your Safety Differently journey. I am Arthur Taylor, Chief Designer. I have spent decades on Savile Row, and honored to bring my talents, for all fine purveyors and devotees of. Hop. Learning Teams. Safety Differently. Safety 2. And The New View. Please visit the store and purchase our fine goods at safetydifferentlymerch.com. And now, back to the show.